I'm getting old. Yeah, the old eyesight's not what it used to be. So I'm sitting here, you know, I'm singing, leaning. I look back there in the back, and I said, oh, Ashley Francis in service tonight. Who's that guy sitting with her? I don't know. And then, after I'm done saying, I look back and go, well, that's not Ashley Francis, and that's Trey Reamer. So, you know, hey, <laughs> just part of getting old, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, we're glad you're all here tonight, but you're not who I thought you were. Uh, so anyway, hey, so what I want to do tonight is I want to come in and just tie in that last little part um, from this morning's message. And by the way, did you know something strange? You know, we started out this morning with, with Folsom uh, Prison Blues. You know, we, we got that. And the wonderful, I mean, he could not think of a more perfect invitation song. You know, my chains are gone. My chains are gone. And then we sing, I'll Fly Away, and talks about prison bars are broken. And then Callie gets up and talks about being incarcerated. And right smack dab in the middle of Johnny's song, it talks about prison again. Isn't that funny? I just thought it was ironic. I mean, you know, it is. But anyway, so we had John the Baptist this morning, just in case you didn't get that part of it. You, we had John the Baptist in prison, okay? And, and through the lens of prison, keep that in, thought in mind, through the lens of prison, he's doubting. Okay, if he hadn't been in prison, I'm sure it'd been a whole different story. But through the lens of prison, that's what prison does to us. When we're locked up, it changes our view. And so he's starting doubting. And he says, so are you the one or should we look for another? I mean, that was really, by the way, you know what just occurred to me on the front row? I'm sitting there going, that was a lot like Peter. You know, Pete, he basically denied that Jesus was the Messiah. And Peter, of course, said, I don't know the man. I don't know. I don't know the man. So he's almost in the same parallel as Peter was. And so, so you, know, you know, Jesus comes along and says, look, you tell him all these things. Tell him the blind is seen, the rest of the song, Linda, from Mary, did you know? The blind is seen, the lame are walking, the dead are even rising up. And then that, that, that great tie-in from, from the Word of God, is, you know, the Scripture, tell him that the, the good news is being preached to the poor, right from Isaiah 61. Something John would have instantly identified with and said, he is the Messiah. He is Messiah because he's doing exactly what Isaiah said the prophet would do. And so all this, by the way, was done. Now watch this. It was done publicly. All this. The guys walked up and said, hey, we're from John the Baptist, and he wants to know. That was all said in front of the people. And then Jesus' answer was all said in front of the people. And so the disciples go back to John, and then there's that uncomfortable pause, and you wonder, what will Jesus say? And I think I said, you know, because again, we didn't get to cover this part this morning, I'm saying, you know, you would be not surprised if one of us had been disappointed like that by someone close, very close, we might have said something about, well, you slacker, you know, you wimp out dude, you know, you get in a little bit of hard time, and you start doubting who I am, but of course, Jesus isn't us, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad Jesus is not us? Aren't you glad God's not you? Because you would, you know, if, if we, again, if we forgave like, like you, know, you know, like we're supposed to, then we forgive like God. But the truth is, we don't. We want to keep tabs, you know. We want to keep numbers of how often we forgive. And, and God's not like that. So Jesus' response is nothing like that. And I think the reason why he turns around now to the crowd that is there and starts addressing John is because they heard what went on. They heard that John said, hey, are you the Messiah or should we look for someone else? They heard Jesus' response. But now Jesus does an amazing thing. He speaks to the crowd 
about John the Baptist. And what he says is so encouraging for us. Okay? So here is what we find out. In verse number 7, So as they went away, the disciples go back now to John. Jesus began speaking to the crowds concerning John. Now you need to know this. This is so important. Okay? So, so he goes and says, he says, so what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Now, I really tried to, I've heard this preached before, but I could not find the number. But you've got to keep in mind, just show the magnetism that John had, okay? They didn't walk like two blocks, okay? I, I remember distinctly it being several miles. Um, one place I said from Jerusalem to this Judean desert was several kilometers, several kilometers. So these people, drawn by John and his message, walk several miles, Bill, out into the wilderness to hear what this prophet has to say. Okay? And so, so he, Jesus says, so why did you walk all that distance? Why did you go out of your way to hear what John had to say and, and, and see? And Jesus says, a reed shaken by the wind? Now, now, that's a picture, obviously. A reed is something that is swayed easily in the wind. It's not like a mighty oak tree that, that would be with great difficulty to be blown over. Reeds could easily be blown over, and reeds could in, you know, easily be swayed. He goes, you did not go into the wilderness because John was like a reed that could be easily swayed. He was not like a wave in the wind, in the wind water who could be easily pushed around. Now, see? What's important by that? It would sound that that's exactly what John was. When the man who baptized him, the man who heard, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, the one who declared and pointed his finger and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then turns around and says, Are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus says, Did you go out to see that? Well, no. No, you didn't go out to see that. The logical answer is no, you did not. And this is so significant because there's a lesson we learn from this. You don't judge a person by one moment in time. You don't judge a person by one moment in time. Did, through the lens of prison, did John doubt? Have doubts about Jesus? Yes, he did. Does that mean we pick up John and throw him in the garbage heap because he did? Well, let me just tell you something. If that's your theology and that's your thought process, you're going to be pretty lonely because everyone you know is going to be in the dump along with yourself. We've got to not judge people by one moment in time. The tendency is to do that because we have no problem judging and lots of problems forgiving. We have no problem judging lots of of problems forgiving. So when he says this, he wants, to, he wants them to know. The implied answer is, well, no, we didn't go. We didn't go see a reed. We didn't go see some wishy-washy preacher. We went to see a rock. And that was John. And, and then may I say, then Jesus is saying, he's implying, he's still that rock. One moment in time does not change who he is and does not change who you are. And then he goes on in verse number 8. What then did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a man dressed in soft clothing? Um, behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. So, so again, uh, this implies people, you know people who are people pleasers? Well, well, Jesus says, fine, did you go out to see a man who was a king pleaser? 
Did, did you go out in the wilderness to see a man who would easily compromise? And the answer is, no. In fact, John's not in the king's house. He's in the king's prison for telling the king that what he is doing is wrong. Is wrong. So once again, Jesus affirms John in saying he's not a compromiser. Again, don't judge a man by one moment in time. He's not a compromiser. He's still rock solid. Then in verse number 9 and 10, Jesus tricks him a little bit and says, So what then did you go out to see? A prophet? And the answer is yes. I tell you, he says, and more than a prophet. Now you understand something. Bill, I haven't thought about this before. We've said this recently in a sermon, and y'all students, you need to know this, that when Malachi ended, there were 400 years. Allie, four centuries of silence. You know, you know, has your mom ever been quiet when you messed up? She gives you the silent treatment. Yeah, we parents do that. I do it to her all the time. She knows when I ain't talking, I'm mad. You know, well, God wasn't mad. Okay, but for 400 years, he didn't talk. 400 years. No prophets for 400 years. And here comes, finally, at the right time, John the Baptist, the first prophet in 400 years. And God uses him to speak. So, so when Jesus said, what then did you go out to see? A prophet? The answer is yes. In fact, not only the prophet, the first prophet in 400 years. But even more than that, Jesus said, This is he of whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I'm speaking of being the prophetic forerunner of Christ. Now, now listen. Was John the forerunner of Christ? Did John, was John's job to say, This is the Christ? Did that change in his failure? No. John was the forerunner before his failure. And John was the forerunner after his failure. You need to know that. Because we all fail. And some of you have fallen so well that you say, God could never use me. Really? Is, this not, is he not the God who takes broken shards? And makes pots again? Is he not the God who can take a lump of clay as it forms and it forms defective? And so he takes it and remakes it, puts it back on the wheel, and then remakes it? And the answer is yes. John was the forerunner before his doubt. John is the forerunner after his doubt. He may be incarcerated in the king's prison, but he's still the forerunner. And don't, don't let failure dictate. Didn't you say this? Don't let someone else's failure or our failure, either one, dictate who we are. We have to be what God says we are. And God said John was the forerunner, and that didn't change because he had doubts in prison. Pretty amazing. He says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. What an affirmation. After, after this big doubting deal, in fact, by the way, 
going back to Peter, I don't know the man, I don't know the man, I don't know the man, so did God take Peter and throw him in the garbage dump? No. Hey, Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And Peter became the guy that God used on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and he preached and 5,000 were saved. It was the guy who failed. It was Peter. And now Jesus does the same thing for John and says there's no one greater than John than those born among men. And, you know, the failure, this is the last big one you need to hear. The failure did not change Jesus' mind about John. And your failure will not change God's mind about you. You need to know that. You need to know that. You need to write that one down. Failure did not change Jesus' mind about John. And failure will not change God's mind about you. And then he closes with something that, that is kind of paradoxical. You know, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What? There's no one greater born among women, and yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than that? What's Jesus saying? I mean, most of us go, well, I'm no John the Baptist, you know. Well, here's the deal. John would never see. John lived in a different era. He would never see the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus is saying that the least of the ones who saw the resurrection, death and resurrection of Jesus, are going to be even greater than the forerunner of Jesus. You see, with, with, great, with great gift comes great responsibility. And Jesus is looking forward, and he's able to see that the ones who are going to believe in him after the resurrection... And realize that this is an incredible gift. And they have to use that gift. Like John used his preaching before. Now those who know Jesus Christ resurrected. Needs to be faithful in sharing the good news. Jesus was a, John was a great mouthpiece for Jesus. Now we need to be great mouthpieces for Jesus. And there's no... you know, Yet the one who is least in the kingdom is greater. That's the power of the resurrection. Do you understand that? I mean, the, the cross is incredibly, we can't sing enough about it and talk enough about it. But it is the resurrection that affirms that the guy who died on the cross was who he said he was. And that changes everything. So we now are forerunners of the gospel. Now we are the mouthpieces of God for the gospel. So we've got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with confidence. With confidence. And the least, those of us who count ourselves the least, are still great in the kingdom because we have the message of the gospel. There's power. When I say great, not great in authority or position, but great because of the message. Now, give me about a minute. Because there's another guy, and I'm going to show you the power of the resurrection. There's another guy who's locked up in prison. His condition was... Worse, probably, than John's. And where John, through the lens of prison, doubts and says, are you the one or should we look for another? This guy has a different message. You know his name? Paul. Now, there are several, obviously, there are several prison letters. 
Let me read to you 2 Timothy 4, 13, 16 through 18, and 21. This is Paul speaking from prison. And the difference is, I think, the resurrected Christ. I mean, there is we need, we need to worship and celebrate the Christ for the resurrection every single day. Because, again, it's the resurrection that sets him apart from it, proves and sets him apart from everybody else. Lots of people died on crosses. Only one came back to life and never died. Here's what Paul said. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus, as well as the scrolls and especially the parchments. And at least some of this was probably part of Paul's library. Some was his writing materials. Some was his private library Definitely containing some of the Old Testament writings. Now listen. At my first defense, no one stood by me. Everyone deserted me. And you're kind of going, yep, there's John. He's doubting. He's doubting. No. He goes on and says, may it not be counted against them. That's the power of the resurrection. He said, everybody deserted me. But my prayer, my, my, my prayer is grace. That will not be held against them. But the Lord. The Lord stood with me. And strengthened me. So that I might fully preach the word. And all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued. From the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me. From every evil work. And will bring me safely. Unto his heavenly kingdom. Paul knew he'd probably die. But he also knew that God was going to safely deliver him into his heavenly kingdom. What's the big difference? It's being on the other side of the resurrection. Where we are. Where we are. That's where we live. We don't live. You know, everybody says, oh, what would it be like to live and walk with Jesus? That would have been great. But isn't it awesome that we look back in history and, and see the resurrected Christ, Brent? Wow, what authority, what power. What proof? What proof? The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. And then there's that verse 21. Wearsby writes about this, and it's just always stayed with me. Uh, Chuck Swindoll wrote a book entitled, Come Before Winter. Later on in verse 21... Paul goes on and talks a little bit more. And here's what he says. Oh, oh, and by the way, come before winter. You know why Paul said that? He knew before spring he would be dead. He knew that the executioner's axe was coming. And he knew you better come before winter because by spring I'm going to be dead. Didn't shake him. Didn't rattle him. For he said, I know whom I believe in. And I'm positive he's going to see it through to completion. So isn't it good to know that Jesus, rather than putting John down and pushing him down, lifted him up and never changed his mind about his cousin John and take it home just like John our God will never change his mind about you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.